God bless you this morning. Open up in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10. So good, so good to see you here this morning. God bless you. I've entitled my message, The Man Who Had It All. The Man Who Had It All. I want to talk to you about a young man in the Scriptures who was at the top of his game. This was... Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl. This was Jeff, Lee, uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon. J-Lo from the block. LeBron James in the prime of his career. I want to talk to you about a man, as we'll see in the scriptures, in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22, a man that had it all. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not be a false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father. I have all these things I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Now I want to talk to you about a man who had it all. During the life and the ministry of Jesus... He lived till, Jesus lived till about 33 plus years, 33 and a half years. He started his ministry at 30 years old. He spent three and a half years, as is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we call the four Gospels, four different perspectives on the life of Jesus. One life of Jesus, but four different authors writing and picking up and commenting on from different perspectives as God's Spirit led them in writing the Scriptures. In Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, he encountered many different people, thousands of people, and probably, most likely, had hundreds of personal one-on-one -on -one talks with all different kinds of people. But in the Scriptures, there are only a few individuals that Jesus uh, talked to personally as recorded in the that came to Jesus. We know of the woman at the well. We know of a man named Zacchaeus. We hear of the story of Jesus speaking to a woman who was caught in an immoral situation. Today, we want to look at this young man. He was a young man. The scriptures tell us from the other different uh, gospel accounts of which I'll give you. But today I want you to understand there is a great need among young people today. They are growing up in the most challenging time in all of history. I am not in my teens or 20s, even though some of you might think I'm that young. 
but I'm glad I am not growing up in this day, in this age. Young people are increasingly lonely. Even in a crowd, they are still lonely. Even with the nonstop social media connection, they might feel connected online, but they're lonely even in a crowd. It's a culture that is suffering from what is known as immediate gratification, sex, drugs, alcohol, and yet there is an emptiness. There is a restlessness. There's a sense of not belonging among young people. They are disillusioned, asking the question, why am I here? Why do I feel so empty? Even with so much available in this culture, in this world, there's even a sense of guilt that young people feel. There's feelings of unworthiness. I want to encourage you, please pray for our young people. Pray for those that are in the nursery, the children's ministry, the youth ministry. Pray for the young people. It is such a challenging, challenging time. And there is so much to deal with and so much to overcome. But there is hope in God. There is hope in Christ. There is hope in his eternal word. The story I want to look into is found in three out of the four Gospels. This is one of hundreds, maybe thousands of personal conversations that Jesus undoubtedly had with individuals, but this is one of the few. One of the few. Why is it recorded in Scripture? Because it's one of the few, I believe it's instructive. I believe it's important. I believe there's some life lessons that you and I can learn today. Can you say amen? amen? Here's this man. He is not given a name. He is called, in some of your Bibles, your heading might indicate a, the rich, young ruler. I want to look this morning at his status. Number one, my first point is his status. In Luke 18, 23, we have that verse of Scripture, Luke 18, verse 23. That was a little slow. Came a little quicker. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. That word in the original language of, of, of which the New Testament was written is Greek. And that word wealth means pertaining to having an abundance of earthly possessions that exceeds Normal experience. Great wealth. Very high, a very high point on a scale of extent. That's what the word means in the Greek. That means he was very rich. He had very much. He was extremely, greatly wealthy. The Bible also says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, he was a young man. He was a young man. And again, in the original language, when it used that word young, it would speak of somebody who was in their 20s and in their 30s. He was young. He was invincible. No young person thinks about how fast time goes by. When you're in your teens, when you're in your 20s, you feel invincible. You think you are going to live forever. I stand here this morning, my wife, she's from 
she turns into, I can't tell you exactly what it is. You'll have to ask her personally. But let me tell you, I am 56. And let me, time goes by so fast, it is mind-boggling. I know you look at me, and you're 20-something years old, and you're a teenager, and you're just laughing. He's just an old guy, and he don't understand. I'm young. But let me tell you, in a flash, you'll be here before you know it. The Bible says, what is your life? It is a vapor. It is a smoke. It, It appears, and it's gone. Our life is temporary. Our life is short. Our life is so quick. In Luke chapter 18, verse 18, the Bible says, a certain ruler, a certain ruler. That word translated ruler, generally one who has administrative authority, he's a leader, an official, and it's used in various Jewish leaders, including those in charge of a synagogue and members of the Sanhedrin. So, so the, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us different perspectives and, and fill in some of the blanks. So here we have the status of this man who came to Jesus. He was young. He was rich. He was a ruler. I mean, this guy had it all going on. He would have been on the cover of GQ magazine. He would have been on the highlight reels of ESPN. I mean, this guy would have been walking the red carpet and they would have all been swooning over him because he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. That was his status. Now, I want to look a little bit further at this. I want to look at his passion. With all that he had, what did he have? He has everything that people desire today. And don't you look at me so holy. You're sitting But he had the riches. He had the youth. He had the status, the fame. He had it all going on. But he was still empty. There was still something missing. He was still searching. I want you to understand this morning, every single one of you within the sound of my voice, we experience an emptiness that is universal. It is an emptiness that we were all created with that only Christ can fill that void. Only Jesus can satisfy the need of your soul and the desire and the longing of your heart. Only Jesus. But in his emptiness... He came to Christ. In his emptiness, he came to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus told a woman at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus said, if you drink of the water I give you, you will never thirst again. This rich young ruler was empty. He was searching. Even though he seemed to have it all, it wasn't enough. You see, he wanted purpose. He wanted meaning in life. He wanted significance. Let me say this to you this morning. If you're young or if you're old or you're in between. Let Let me say this to you this morning. If you attach your significance to status, you'll never be satisfied. 
If you attach your significance to how many people like what you post and how many people retweet it or how many people are commenting, if you attach your significance to your status, it will never, ever be enough. If you attach your significance or your security to stuff, it will never be enough. You cannot attach your your security to stuff because it's never, ever enough. Just when you think you've got enough, you want more. Just when you think, if I made this much, I'd be happy. You make that much, you're not happy. The richest people. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in the world back in in, in a past generation, he was the, the Bill Gates and, and, and the rich and the famous of today. That's who he was 50 years ago. When he died, uh, someone asked, how much did he leave? They wanted to know the number. They wanted to know how, much, how many millions did he leave? And someone just wisely said, he left it all. He left it all. And the reality of it is, we leave it all. We can't take it with us. It's never enough. In the Bible, we have King Solomon who had it all. He had it all. There was no one like him before or after. King Solomon had all the pleasures of sex that anyone could want. He had 700 wives. I'd have a tough time remembering my wife's birthday and our anniversary. Try doing that 700 times over. Get you in a lot of trouble. He had money. He had gold. The Bible says that gold was like the sand on the seashore in plentifulness. He had wisdom. He had status. People, you want to talk about status? If, if he had a Facebook account, if he had Twitter, I mean, he would, it would blow up. I mean, he would have millions and millions and millions of followers. He had such status that queens, kings and, and rulers would come from vast distances to come and sit at his feet and hear his wisdom. Solomon had it all. And you know what he said? The conclusion of it was vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What did he mean? Vanity means emptiness. It's empty. I got it all. And Solomon died a broken, cynical, unfulfilled man. You see, Christ is the only one that can fill the emptiness in the heart of man. But one good thing about this rich young ruler, the Bible says he came to the right person. He came to Christ. Christ said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He came with a sense of urgency. The Bible says he came running. He came running. Seek the Lord while he may be found. I plead with you this morning. Seek the Lord while you're young while you're in your teens and 20s, because when you get old, there is a danger of you becoming calloused, of you becoming unresponsive and hardening your heart and turning away from God. Seek the Lord while you're young, when your conscience is still tender, when your heart is still responsive, before the sins of this world, before this culture hardens your heart. Do you know that 65% or two out of three or two-thirds 
of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ do so before 18 years of age. Two out of three, the importance of young people coming to faith, uh, our children's work or teaching the word of God that they might, children might be saved, our youth ministry impacting young people with the gospel at a tender age that they might come to faith. Two out of three come at a, under the age of 18. When you get old, you get calloused, you get set in your ways. I encourage you today, while it is called today, make your commitment to Jesus Christ. Behold, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Come with the right attitude. This man came and the Bible says he fell down and he knelt before Christ. There was a humility. He had a need and you know what? He acknowledged it. He acknowledged he needed something beyond himself and he was willing to humble himself. Will you humble yourself today? Like Job, when he saw the Lord, he said, I abhor myself in sackcloth. In one of the miracles, he said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He came under conviction. Moses, when he saw the presence of God in the burning bush, the Bible says he took off his shoes because he was on holy ground. This man came, this young rich ruler came, and he asked the right question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The greatest desire or the greatest need, the greatest longing that is in the heart of every man, woman, boy and girl this morning. The greatest need is to know that they are secure in the arms of a loving heavenly father and that there is an eternal life to look forward to. I'm talking about eternity. This life is so, so short. What is your life? It is nothing. It is a vapor. Time goes by so fast. He asked the right question, but he got it wrong just a bit. He said, what must I do? He made the mistake there. There's nothing you can do to enter into heaven. There's nothing you can do to have your sins forgiven. It's already been done for you. It's already been done for me. Christ died on the cross for our sins and he was raised from the grave for our justification. Can you say amen? amen. So here we have this rich young ruler. He asked the question. And Jesus says, you know the commandments. And he begins to list the commandments. And what's interesting, we know there are 10 commandments. How many fingers do you have? Ten. That's how many commandments we have. The first four commandments um, are in rela uh, uh, commands in relationship to God. And the, the, the last six are commandments in relation to mankind or to one another. So what, what did Jesus do? He, he gave him the commands as related to relationship with, with others. And this man, in verse 20, answered Jesus, said, Teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. Wow. This man was not only rich, he was not only young, he was not only a ruler, he was pretty religious. Wow. 
If you stop right there, this man's the top dog. He, you the man. I mean, he has got it all going on. And if you stop right there, you'd think, this is it, man. This guy is good. He's got the kingdom. He's got it all going on. He, if you stop right there, he might become a deacon in a church, an elder in a church. Matter of fact, there might be pastors who will be calling him up and inviting him to their church and saying, if you come, I'll give you a title. Hello? If you come to my church, this would be someone who would seem to have it all going on. He should be on the board because he's going to give a lot of money. We're going to give him a title so he keeps tithing. Come on, somebody, don't look so guilty. I'm not talking about you. If we left it right there, if we looked with the natural and see here's where we miss it in the church, here's where we miss it according to the word of God, we judge according to the flesh. Paul said, judge no man according to the flesh, but judge righteous judgment. And here's where we can miss it in the church. Here's where we can miss it in our own lives. And here's where we can miss the kingdom by a million miles. Now stay with me. Jesus, look at verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him. Here we have this rich, young ruler who's kept the commands, the commandments of God. And Jesus looks at him. And Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows everything about him. Jesus knows him intimately, intricately, his past, his present, and his future. Jesus just looks at him. And what do the scriptures say? He loved him. He loved him. Jesus looked at this man. Didn't love him because he was a rich young man, a ruler. Didn't love him because he kept the commandments. He loved him because that is the heart of our God. He loved him because that is who God is. God is love. But God, Jesus loved him too much to leave him in his sin. Jesus loved him too much to leave him where he was. Jesus loved him too much to let him go on in the way he was going. Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, one thing you lack, go and sell all your riches, go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and you'll have eternal rewards in heaven and then come and follow me. Now, this is very interesting because the question maybe immediately that would come to your mind is, does that, does that mean every person who comes to follow Jesus has to give up all their wealth? No, because we know with Zacchaeus, 
Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, give everything away. Jesus, Jesus just said salvation's come to this house because Zacchaeus responded in faith to Christ. Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus. Jesus didn't tell the woman at the well. He didn't tell anybody to give away all of their wealth. So what was Jesus eyeing on? What was Jesus fixing his attention on? He was putting his finger on the heart of the issue. This man, this rich young ruler, some of you here this morning have kept the commandments. You, you have done the outward. You, you have come to church. You have become a member. You have gotten involved in ministry, and that's all fine, and that's all good. But this man, although he had kept all the commandments, he really didn't. He broke the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see, the human heart is not big enough for two thrones. The human heart is not big enough for two thrones. There's only one throne on your heart, and it's either yourself or it's Jesus Christ. There is no two ways about it. There are no, there's either Christ or self. See, in reality, his wealth was his God. In reality, his idol was his money. And you know what? He would not give it up. Mark chapter 4 verse 19 says, Beware of the deceitfulness of riches. Prosperity, listen to me people of God this morning. We live in America. We live in a land of prosperity. And even some of you say, Pastor, you don't know my situation. You are still more prosperous than two-thirds of the world. Even in your challenging, and I don't make light of that, I mean, mean to sound insensitive, but the reality of it is, prosperity tends to give us a false sense of self-sufficiency, security, and well-being. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Well, I don't believe that. You don't have to believe it. It's still the truth. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, Jesus said to him, if you really want to follow me, you've got to get rid of that idol in your life. And you know what? I personally, personally believe, this, this is my opinion, that if that man said, Jesus, I give it all away, I believe Jesus might have said, you know what? It's only a test. It's only a test. That's just my opinion. But you know what? To follow Christ is not easy. To follow Christ, there is a cost. It's not easy to be a real Christian. You could be a make-believe one. You could be a fake Christian and get by in a lot of places, in a lot of churches, in a lot of scenarios. But to be a real Christian, it calls for sacrifice. It will cost you something. It'll cost you your idols, your lusts. It'll cost you your sins. You'll have to repent and turn away and be willing to surrender. You will have to be willing to let Christ alone be enthroned in your heart. You know, there is such a fallacy out there. There are people who say, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. 
You cannot make a dichotomy out of the person of Jesus Christ. He is either your Lord and Savior or he is not. There is no middle ground. Jesus said you are either for me or you are against me. You either take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me or you don't. You see, religion is not enough. This man was more religious than all of us. This man was so religious that you would have thought he could have been a rabbi. He could have been a ruler. He could have been a head of the synagogue. But he had an idol in his heart. And I wonder how many times we come to the house of God and we have idols in our heart that we need to repent of and say, God, I'm a sinner. Come to Christ this morning. Come to his cross and fully surrender. He's the one who provides the righteousness and the goodness of his nature. It becomes ours. You see, Jesus didn't want his money. He was putting his finger on the thing in his life that meant more to him than God. There are some Christians that can't come to church. They can't serve God in ministry. They can't honor God with their finances because there is an idol in their heart. There is a God in their heart that is more important. For some, it's your children. Your children become an idol. For others, it is TV programs. It's sports. It's sex outside of marriage. It's money. It's family. It's what people think of you. You're not willing to let go of your lust your desires, the things of this culture, this world that is careening towards destruction and people are on their way to hell and there are Christians who don't know the difference. You have to choose today. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. There's someone here today and you, you're on the verge of messing or texting with some woman who's not your wife. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. This morning is a church chance for you to turn around. Maybe you need to come up to me after this message and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm messing around and, and I don't want to do it, but I'm being drawn by my lust. Maybe there's somebody here that's beginning to think of, of, of getting involved with same-sex attraction. I want to pray for you that God breaks that addiction. Don't go down that road. You begin to go down that road, you begin to think God made you that way. I know it's not easy. I know there are a lot of sexual deviancy issues and problems that people have. But let me tell you, through the cross, you can be set free. Through the blood of Jesus, you can be made whole. You've got to make a choice. It's God or money. It's God or sex. It's God or a person that you are in more in love with than God. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. You see, this man had a full adherence to the moral law. And that is good and that is awesome, but it's no substitute for following Jesus. True obedience to the law can never be rendered. Only discipleship to Jesus. Only obedience to Christ. Discipleship with Jesus Everything else is futile. And then I, complete, I conclude with this last point, his decision. His decision, verse 22. But he was sad at this word. He was sad at this word. That word sad means gloomy, shocked, appalled. It was as if a cloud settled over his face. 
the Bible says he went away grieved. Here was a person who lived an exemplary life and even endears himself to Jesus and you could still be into idolatry. Think of that this morning. Are there idols in your life? Is there something that causes your heart to beat faster and more than Jesus Christ? Is there someone that you love more? Jesus said, if you love your mother, your father, your brothers, or your sisters more than me, you're not worthy of me. My God, I ought to preach a message. How saved are you? How saved are you? I say this with a brokenness in my spirit because I love you, but I say this with an indignation in my heart because of the idols that we set up in our life. We need to repent of it. Come to Jesus this morning. Come to the cross. This isn't just for salvation. This is for some very religious people here this morning. You can be religious but not be right with God. Not too long ago, I went to a religious ceremony at another church. And let me tell you, it was sickening because there were just rituals that were empty. There was just some ceremony we went through. But there was no vitality of a connection with Almighty God and a repentance and a faith in Jesus Christ. You see, this man was sorry to part with Christ. But to part with his riches, he knew it cost him a greater sorrow. Make no mistake, this was not a call to poverty. This was a call to discipleship. This was not a call. This was not just about money. This was about discipleship. Well, you say money doesn't mean anything to me. I'll give all my money away. We can't even get you to give 10%. Oh, nobody, nobody, I love God more than anything, but some of you can't be without a boyfriend or a girlfriend for more than 30 minutes. Let God deal with you. Let God work in you. Let God make you the person that you can be a woman of God for a man. You can be a man of God for a woman. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. True discipleship is total devotion. Matthew 16, and I'm I'm about to close. I'm not closing, I'm about to close. Don't get too excited. Matthew 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself. What does that mean? We have heard these scriptures so much. We we, we think we know what they mean. We even think we're doing it. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Next verse. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it? For man, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, and what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What does it mean to lose your life? I don't have the time, but simply it just means to surrender your desires, your aspirations, your plans to Almighty God. And when you do that, when you lose your life, you find it. God blesses you. God prospers you. God is so good. Let me tell you, I have made consecrations, and I, won't, I don't have time to get into it. I have made sacrifices in my life. I've given money. I've done things. You know what? I've never regretted a consecration to God. I've regretted consecrations I didn't make. I regretted things I didn't do for the Lord. But I've never regretted giving money to God. 
giving up relationships, sacrificing, letting go. I've never regretted those things. I'm so grateful that God gave me the grace to do it. I don't say this boastfully or proudly. I say it humbly that God helped me. Matthew 10, Matthew 10, verse 31. I want to give you a lot of scriptures this morning. Look what the word of God tells us. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You say, why would God say that? You know why? Because when you truly love God, you now have the capacity to love other people. I didn't appreciate my parents. I didn't love my parents. I thought I did before I was saved. But you know, the more I grew in my relationship with Christ, I loved them more. I served them. I honored them. I wanted to. I thought I did, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have the power. I had good intentions, but good intentions, you'll get to hell with them. But when I love Jesus, I love people. See, where did that scripture go? Bring it back, please. Matthew 10, 31. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Next verse, please. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Next verse. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Would you stand together with me this morning? I'm going to ask the singers and the musicians to come back. You know what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 of Moses. It says, Moses, by faith, chose rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. There is pleasure in sin, or the devil would go out of business. There's pleasure. But you know what? It's only for a season. Then there's guilt, there's shame, there's suffering, there's the consequences. For he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. By faith, Moses was able to leave it behind because he knew God had a better plan. What idols, listen to me before we sing, before we close, what idols are in your heart today? What can you turn from today in truth and sincerity? For Samson, it was his lust for illicit sex. For Jacob, it was his deceitfulness. For Judas, it was his greed. For Pilate, it was his position over truth. It was his position that mattered more than truth to him. This morning, what idols are in your heart that you need to surrender to Christ? Listen, I say this lovingly. I say this because I care for you and I want to see you blessed. You can never turn away from Jesus and be happy. If you turn away from Jesus, you'll be sad just like this man. It says, he was sad at this word and he went away grieved. Will you be grieved in that way or will you grieve in repentance and say, God, forgive me this morning? If we confess our sins, God is faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to just ask while heads are bowed this morning. I am 
tired of just giving altar calls where everybody just comes because it's the right thing to do because someone else is doing it. And I'm not going to make it so easy so that I can just have a bunch of people come to the altar. And even if it's a little awkward in these next couple of moments, are there some here this morning and don't worry what others think or what they do because Jesus, when he called people to discipleship, he called them publicly. What are some idols? Are there some idols in your life you need to give up this morning? I want you to quickly get out of your seat and come to these altars. While this, while this time, while there's an opportunity to get it right, you don't have to tell anybody what it is. You just move out of your seat and say, you know what? I don't want to turn away from Jesus anymore. I don't want to be religious anymore. I want to be right with God. I want to be right with God this morning. Come on, just begin to move out of your seat and come to these altars.